Our scripture for today comes from Romans chapter 15, and Brennan and I will read verses 7 through 13 together. So welcome each other in the same way that Christ also welcomed you. For God's glory, I'm saying that Christ became a servant of those who are circumcised for the sake of God's truth in order to confirm the promise given to the ancestors and so that the Gentiles could glorify God for his mercy as it is written. Because of this, I will confess you among the Gentiles and I will sing praises to your name. And again, it says, Rejoice, Gentiles, with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and all the people should sing his praises. And again, Isaiah says, There will be a root of Jesse, who will also rise to rule the Gentiles. The Gentiles will place their hope in him. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and faith, so that you overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be, Thanks be to God. Advent was a time of such hope for me as a child and a teenager, and it was made so rich by the traditions of my family and my faith. I remember Sundays of lighting the Advent candle at church, hanging the greens in our sanctuary, wondering as a child at the giant chrismon tree over in the corner by the pulpit. We sang a refrain every Sunday of Advent, one whose words and tune has, has never left me. Light the light, the fire of life. Let the candle reveal his glory. Jesus Christ has come to earth, and for us shall come again. Every Christmas Eve, my family went to church. It was far and away my favorite service of the year. It was always a communion service. And the serving ware at my home church was just like ours here at First Baptist in Jefferson City. It was reflective and shiny. In the Christmas Eve service, the lights were always low, and as such, you could see the reflection of every serving platter dance on the sanctuary ceiling. The deacons would line up at the front of the sanctuary, and the, the lights were there on the ceiling in a line. And then when the deacons spread around the sanctuary to serve the Lord's Supper, the lights would go all over the room. And I was convinced that this was God's way of hanging Christmas lights. It was such a time of wonder and such a time of hope. This Advent is a time of hope as well. Hope is a gift that is ours to claim, a gift God intends to give us in December 2020. Hope is one of the defining characteristics of faith in the family of God. Love always hopes, Paul says. These three remain, faith, hope, and love. In today's Bible passage, Paul prays a heartfelt pastoral prayer for the Christians in Rome. 
He prays that God's hope will fill them with hope so they can persevere in faith. Hope is part of God's nature and God's intention. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to give you a hopeful future. From the very beginning, God's words have the power to bring life, to carve the paths toward this hopeful future. When the time was right, the Bible tells us God put God's money where God's mouth is. The word put on flesh and came among us. God is personally invested in a hope-minded future. Hope is a person, Jesus, the light of the world. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness does not overcome it. Hope is defined as confident expectation. Paul wrote to the Christians in Rome knowing their circumstances had chipped away at their expectations and diminished their confidence. Looking at the situation through our postmodern first world lens, we see a people who have little reason for hope at the church in Rome 2,000 years ago. They face challenges so complex and immense, they boggle the mind. It's really difficult for us to fully grasp. They had challenges with the state, the religious institution, with finances, health, leadership, and of great concern for Paul, challenges with each other. These Christians lived hundreds of years before the time of Constantine, long before Christianity as a religion gained any kind of power or influence in society. Being a Christian in Rome around the year 40 meant you and your family could be relocated against your will to an entirely different part of the empire. You could be jailed or killed. Your home could be ransacked at any moment. If First Baptist Church in Jefferson City, Missouri decided that we were going to plant a church, we would not have done it with this group of Christians in Rome. They were too conflicted and too stressed. They couldn't agree on what food to eat, what wine to drink, what heritage to claim, or whether they wanted to even be in the same church together anyway. Some of them were too Jewish, some of them were too pagan, they weren't sure they really believed in each other at all. But Paul believed so deeply in them. He believed so completely that God's hope and God's future was coming true in churches just like theirs all over the Roman world. After eight months that have chipped away at our expectations and diminished our confidence, we are struggling to find and claim hope. The loss is overwhelming, staggering. At least 1.4 million people in the world, 260,000 people in the United States dead from COVID-19. 
millions more suffering from the effects of this pandemic, suffering from isolation, from deferred health care, strained resources, billions of dollars lost. We have lost precious time with each other. And even if we ourselves have not been ill or faced hardship over these last eight months, we are feeling it. The toll of loss and change and the reality of what is ahead of us in the next eight weeks has us feeling a lot like the psalmist in Psalm 69 who prays, save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. Paul wasn't interested in cheap grace or cheap faith. And he certainly wasn't interested in cheap hope, false hope, toxic positivity. Paul was interested in real hope. The kind of hope we find when all the shallow, false, cheap hope is gone. When we can no longer find hope in reliable streams of income or clean living rooms and laundry in being able to protect our loved ones from illness or disease, or even being able to make reliable plans for just one day. It seems that we're not going to be able to find hope and celebrate it this December in the same ways we're used to. Twinkling lights on the sanctuary ceiling during the Christmas Eve service, gathering around the table for delicious meals, and conversation, drawing near to our family, being able to hug the people we love. You may be in the middle of grief this December, feeling the absence and emptiness of loss. You may be struggling mightily with depression or anxiety, with addiction, or with an overwhelming situation. The December blues may have set in for you in November for all kinds of reasons. If any of these things are true for you, I want you to know that you are not alone. You are not an anomaly. You are not forgotten. Hope is for you too. And I know how expensive hope feels right now. So many of us are experiencing this sense of powerlessness right now for lots of different reasons. We really want to help. We want to make a difference. But we're really just not sure what to do because it feels like there are just so many limitations. The Apostle Paul's response to these kinds of circumstances was consistently think bigger and act smaller. In other words, all those barriers to God's love that you have set up in your mind, in your heart, let God remove them. Let God's love be bigger in your world than you want it to be. How do we do that? Act smaller. Paul spends most of Romans chapters 12 through 15 providing practical ways for the Christians in Rome to act smaller. In summary, he says, love the people around you. 
honor them in a bigger way than you do even right now. Give up your fixation on pride, judgment, condemnation, vengeance, on the old you, the old us. Paul sums up all of his teachings in these chapters of Romans in one phrase that begins our passage today. Welcome each other in the same way that Christ welcomed you. Maybe we're set up for the most Advent-like Advent of our lifetimes. Maybe in December 2020, God is inviting us to know what it really means to wait in hope. But how are we to do that? How are we to wait in hope in such a time as this? Julian of Norwich was a deeply religious woman, an anchorite, who lived in England in the Middle Ages, which was a time of war and famine and plague. And I will tell you that if I had the opportunity to hop in a time machine and go live in a different time, the Middle Ages is not the time I would choose. It was a dark and difficult time. She lived in a time of plague, specifically the bubonic plague. Three outbreaks occurred in her city in her lifetime. And she herself nearly died from plague or some other terrible disease. At one point, Julian became so ill, she was expected to die. The last rites were administered to her. And then she had what we call today a near-death experience, a series of visions. Jesus appeared to her, and in one of these visions, he said to her, All shall be well, and all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. In her life, Julian of Norwich captured so deeply and truly the spiritual ethic of God's instruction to welcome. Welcome Christ in all things you encounter in this life. Because of her religious vows, Julian lived nearly her entire life in a one-room stone cell. But her love for God was bigger and truer than the universe. Her sense of hope outnumbered the stars. Alice Walker says that hope is always the teacher with the toughest homework. The work of welcoming Christ in all things, of thinking bigger and acting smaller, the work of seeing all our lives in the light of Christ can sometimes feel a little bit like that dream where we show up to school in just our underwear. It is hard work, but it is worth it. Welcoming Christ in our lives means being honest with ourselves about the hard stuff, about grief, pride, anger, regret. Welcoming Christ means owning our shortcomings. It means facing difficulties 
in our relationships. It means welcoming each other as expansively, scandalously, and selflessly as Christ welcomes us. And this is never easy work. But it is our homework. However different, however much it demands of you, God is offering you the gift of hope. It is a gift that nothing can take away from you. Because God is the guarantor of this promise, says Cynthia Campbell, you can live with complete confidence. What has been said is what will be. And so knowing and trusting the coming of Christ in our world, in our life, knowing and trusting that the light of the world is here and now, shining in our midst, what is left for us to do is welcome. These are very difficult times to engage the spiritual practice of welcome. And so this week in our worship guide, I have included what is called a practice of welcoming prayer. It is a way for us to notice and name all the things that come into our days and to bring them into the presence of Jesus and to ask God to give us the gift of hope and the gift of trust and assurance in whatever that place may be. I hope that you will take some time this week to practice welcoming prayer. is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Darkness seems to hide his face. I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Thank you so much for joining us for worship today.
I want to remind you and assure you that wherever you are, we are always glad to connect with you. You can visit our church website or call our church office. If you're struggling these days, please know that you are not alone. And if you need to talk with someone about what's going on in your life and need some help finding and discovering where God is working in and around you, please reach out to us. It brings us such joy to journey with folks on their Christ journey. We are here for you. Remember that. Receive these words of blessing as we go from this time of worship today. Brothers and sisters, within your soul, in this darkest of Decembers, light the light, the fire of life, And may this candle in your soul reveal Christ's glory. Be assured that Jesus Christ has come to earth and for us will come again. May this assurance fill you to overflowing with hope by the power of God's Spirit. Amen.